0: Uh, let's get ready to rumble oh. all right what's the big ru-ha-ha-ha? following program is closed captioned for the thinking and fear what would you do with your brain if you had one what I'm saying?
1: Welcome to the beautiful campus of LCMSU, everyone. I'm your host,
0: the Chancellor. I don't know what that means. No one knows what it means. It's provocative. Pastor Marcus Zill.
1: are joined here today in the student union with pastor christopher toma how are you doing today chris hey i'm doing well thanks marcus Uh, great to have you here with us on the beautiful campus of lcmsu as we are hanging out in the student union today tell everybody a little bit where where are you calling from i'm down in nice and relatively warm new mexico at the moment
0: where are you at i'm up in the frigid arctic north of michigan Heartland, Michigan is where I'm at right now. And where is Heartland for those that uh,
1: maybe don't know Michigan all that well?
0: Heartland is about 25 miles north of the college town of Ann Arbor and about 25 miles south of Flint, Michigan.
1: So uh, Our Savior is the church that you... How long have you been at Our Savior there in Heartland?
0: I've been here at Our Savior since 1999. Um, I was serving as the DCE originally until I went off to Fort Wayne to... Study, but uh, received my first call right back here at our Savior. Well, excellent.
1: Well, it is great to have you uh, on the program today. And uh, one of the reasons why we have uh, Pastor Toma on uh, the Student Union today is because uh, at the last second here, I've decided to invite you to come and join us at the upcoming National Campus Ministry Conference in DC in just a couple weeks. Uh, called Liberty. Why? Because you were a local parish pastor. You had absolutely nothing to do between Advent and Christmas, right? (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's right. We sit
1: around. (laughs) Yes. But uh, so um, you have taken an interest in these issues related to religious liberty. You've even been putting on some conferences uh, annually at your church. Tell us a little bit about from whence your interest has come and about the conferences that you've been doing.
0: Well, the, the interest has been something that has just arisen naturally um, and in an organic kind of way, just being involved with groups like Right to Life, uh, Lutherans for Life, things like that. Um, I've, I've never been disconnected from the political sphere in the sense that I've always been. I've always kind of tried to have my thumb on the pulse. Um, but the more I started to engage in it, Publicly through editorials, you know, in local papers, or just uh, talking with congressmen. Um, I've been kind of pulled into think tanks now. I've been pulled, you know, pulled in different directions that have now got me heavily engaged in a lot of these things. And I'm, I'm finding that it's something that um, I have a lot of vigor for.
1: Oh, that's fantastic! You know, and uh, I should say you also like to write. I was just noticing as I was putting together biographical material for the conference and such you are coming out with a book on scotch of all things um, tell us about uh, about your writing interest and how do, how does how does a Lutheran parish pastor end up doing a book about scotch
0: <laughs> well I've yeah, I've actually got two of them out there now. The second volume just came out in September, two and I scotches ashamed... or two books about so oh, two books on scotch. Well, <laughs> it's not a scotch actually. Uh, oh, I've got way more than two scotches. Than sure. <laughs> I bet you do. But the uh, shamefully, the volume two is thicker than my Bible, so I don't know if if that's wow. a good or a bad thing. But um, do a lot of writing with that. I, I used to um, go over to Russia, Lithuania, places like that, and do some teaching. And when I was over okay. there. Um, I, on the way back through London, and I, I want to say it was maybe 2004 or 5, something like that, I stopped in a whiskey shop at Heathrow and essentially just went in to look around. The guy who ran the place asked if I was a Scotch guy. I said, no. I'm, I said, I'm a Lutheran. You know, I drink beer. So, <laughs> And he said, well, you haven't had the right kind. So he shepherded me around the place, and I fell in love right away. He gave me some Tastes of some really good ones walked out of there with a fine bottle and ever since then i've enjoyed it quite a bit and i've found that i've got the nose for it so now i i see uh, the angels portion as the name of the volumes really really taken off getting a lot angels of some um, really good endorsement
1: the ain tell why the angels portion
0: what's about the well the angels portion of a of a whiskey is the portion that evaporates while it's finishing while it's aging and finishing so wow yeah, and it depended upon how long it's in the barrel. It can you can lose as much as forty percent of the whiskey. So what they call that the angel's portion. That's the portion that the the heavenly ones take to themselves. Oh, that's fantastic! And, <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised and it, and it though fits. if you were in you know, Russia the,
1: it, that you didn't uh, develop a uh, vodka volume. Or so, did you not? Well,
0: I have a few <laughs> bottles of some good vodka too. I don't <laughs> I don't go cheaply on that either. But whiskey is my thing. That's what I'm. That's where I'm at. Well, that's Which, fantastic. Well.
1: Well we brought you on the program here today in the Student Union to talk about a little kind of tee up a little bit about uh, something that's become somewhat of an interest uh, for you, this whole idea of what it means for the body of Christ to be active in the public square. And as you said, you just you kind of walked into this and and uh, you know we Lutherans, we've typically not been real good at this, have we? Don't we kind of tend to stay away from these kinds of,
0: you know, oh, we don't want to get involved? Well, we, yeah, we're awfully timid in these areas, and and I've learned that in discussions, and I've learned that through personal experience in congregations, talking with folks, that there's a a timidity that is involved, or that is flowing in the midst of our Senate. I I know our Senate is trying to sort of wake up um, to a lot of what's going on, but you do still have quite a bit of resistance out there, and in, in my opinion, it boils down to a faulty understanding of the two kingdoms doctrine. Well, tell us about uh, that. Flush that out well for the, us a bit. essentially, the two kingdoms doctrine. We're talking about the kingdom of the left hand and the kingdom of the right hand. Uh, the kingdom of the the kingdom of the left hand is dealing with the temporal or the secular government, uh, the Romans thirteen uh, stuff, and that kingdom is there to enforce, is there to maintain order. Uh, for the general welfare of humanity as a whole um our lutheran confessions talk about it article 16 uh, teaches about it article 28 continues talking about it too um it's throughout the confessions but they they uh, admonish the clergy there to understand but they also encourage to recognize that the government um is established uh, by god it's ordained by god for the sake of good order to protect to uh bear the sword to uh, protect body goods power of, of other people um, now the kingdom of the right hand that's different that's the power of god that's given to the church to preach the gospel to administer the sacraments to the bring the forgiveness of sins that christ is one uh it's this kingdom where christians are made kingdoms or christians are not made in the kingdom of the left they're made in the kingdom of the right it's in the rule of the kingdom of the right that forgiveness of sins is flowing and it's there. Uh, so that's the word and sacrament, uh, word and sacrament ministry of the church. They're two distinct kingdoms. They are absolutely distinct kingdoms. Yet, yet, they do interface. They do connect.
1: And isn't that that's where right. we get, that's seems like most people understand the two kingdoms. It makes sense. But it's all the ways that these interrelate, right? That, that's right, where it right. gets a
0: little muddled. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I think, and I shouldn't necessarily dog him for this, but unfortunately, it would seem that in an attempt to understand the two kingdoms doctrine, what we have a tendency to do as Lutherans is almost cement the idea that these two kingdoms never interface, that they never touch in any way, shape, or form. We we absolutely maintain that separation of church and state uh, to our in a faulty way to our own detriment. And then you have, on the other hand, you have on the other side, you have mainstream uh, mainstream evangelicals uh, who, meaning well, maybe having a a fairly decent understanding of the scriptures on this, they end up moving in the directions where they blur the two uh, to the point where um, they're pressing the agenda for Christian uh, to be Christian dominionists, which means that you know we only Christians can rule the government, only Christians should be elected, only blah 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 and they miss the point of the scriptures that that's not what the lord is talking about necessarily
1: because in the kingdom of the left i mean we don't necessarily have a problem with even an unbeliever i mean obviously it's nice to have each kingdom informing one another but you could have someone that could fulfill their their task wonderfully in the kingdom of the left even without knowing christ isn't that the case
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, and the scriptures point to that. The, the scriptures, namely, um, and I'll spend some time at the conference uh, in December in January talking about a, a particular text, and that's First Timothy chapter two, where sure. the apostle the apostle Paul is encouraging folks to pray. You know, to enge- and he does use uh, language in there talking about engaging, interfacing uh, with the authorities. And in the end, what Paul does is he lays out two points. There's a reason why we do this. The first point is so that we, the Christian church, can live peacefully and live godly, dignified lives. But the second one is absolutely uh, so important. Uh, it's so that the gospel has the freedom to go forth. We we do what we do. We interface with the government. We we petition, we lobby, we do all of the things that we can do in our own government uh, in order that the gospel has a freedom to be extended to the communities around us. So we fight for religious liberty for that, for that very reason.
1: You know, and I was at the University of Wyoming where I was for 15 years or so as a full-time campus pastor. They didn't have a uh, religious council of the local, all the various religious uh, campus ministry types, and I was actually helping to develop something. It didn't end up happening. It fell through. Um, But I always ran into it with the evangelicals, because they couldn't believe that I was willing to argue for the fact that, that I didn't mind the Mormons being on campus. I didn't mind the Wiccans being on campus. I didn't mind anybody being on campus, as long as we all had the same access, and so that we could actually you know, I was actually willing to support them in a kingdom of left kind of a sense so that we could have the maximum opportunity in the kingdom of the right. Does that make sense?
0: It absolutely makes sense. And and you're doing the right thing in saying that. We're, we're not talking about giving them access to our pulpits and altars. Oh, absolutely not. Um, yeah. we're, we're, we're definitely understanding how the kingdom of the left Uh, grows up up and out of, for us, grows up and out of an understanding of our citizenship in the kingdom of the right. We want to be faithful to Christ and we want to serve faithfully in our vocations and in the world around us. Uh, One of the ways that we do that is we promote and we support and we fight arm in arm Uh, for that religious liberty issue, and and the other issues that are directly connected to it, issues of life, uh, issues of uh, marriage between one man and one woman. Uh, These kinds of things are all interconnected. Uh, It starts with a a proper understanding of those two two kingdoms so that we know how to iterate uh, what we're trying to accomplish with uh, religious liberty as a whole. Um, I will gladly stand, and I I know that somewhat frustrates people. I I got into this conversation with someone at a conference recently that, you know, I'll stand up side by side with, uh, with a Mormon or with a Baptist or with a Catholic or anybody. It doesn't matter to me if what we are doing is fighting in the trenches together for a religious liberty issue of life, of marriage, uh, things like that. I can cooperate in those externals, Mm -hmm. um, uh, and 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 I should.
1: I mean, to me, it's. Yeah, we absolutely it, should. I, it, yeah. it, uh, you know, I always tell uh, our campus ministry folks uh, like, I always encourage um, to get involved with the Students for Life organization, not a Lutheran organization. Uh, but I think they, these are places where we can actually cooperate in these externals for the sake of these various issues uh, with those that are of. Of, of other faiths who happen to, to care deeply about these issues too. It seems to me that wherever we can let our yes be yes, and we're not sacrificing uh, what we do and how we do it in the kingdom of the right, it seems to me that we're incumbent upon working. You know, there's a lot of places we have to say no to things. It's kind of nice to have some oh, places absolutely. where we can say yes. <laughs> um, right. So, uh, No, but uh, people get buggy about this. I When I was helping to push this at the University of Wyoming, I had some of our confessional Lutheran brethren on me about I can't believe he's willing to promote all these other even the even the Muslims for being on you know and others that, that they have equal access on campus and then I had some of my uh, some of our uh, Christian brothers and sisters of other faiths and denominations arguing on the other side and it it was just uh, I, I have to say it was almost refreshing sometimes to talk to those who weren't even, who didn't even bear the name of Christ, who are arguing for the same freedom and access and liberty opportunities to be on campus. Because the way I figure, Chris, if we're on campus, if the Wiccans have a chance to be on campus, and we have the chance to be on campus, and we can both have equal access, and we're willing to do our thing, I actually believe that uh, we are going to do much better than them in the long run anyways, because we're there even if we have right, to suffer right. the fact that in the kingdom of the right, yeah, I kind of wish they weren't around, but they are. So in the meantime, we suffer the fact that uh, they should have the same access that, that we do. Um,
0: well, I, I wonder if what we're experiencing right now in the Missouri Synod, um, since I am, a lot of my focus is on dealing with pastors, the conferences sure. that i put together, I'm uh-huh. dealing with clergy, uh, trying to help them understand, but I almost wonder if it's kind of a reverse Reality of, of our discussions on evangelism with our own people. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, some folks will not, some parishioners just won't share the gospel because they're afraid. Um, they don't have the words to say. They don't know, uh, and they don't want to say the wrong thing. And so you, you raise that up to a level of a clergy, as Dr. David Scare would say, a clergy person. Um, and you find you've got pastors who they're using sort of an ill understanding of the two kingdoms doctrine for the sake of staying out of the conversation because in the end they're afraid of certain things they're afraid of losing their (laughs) 501c3 status or they're they're concerned about possibly saying something that's going to bring ill repute to the congregation as a whole and and quite possibly see them end up spending a night in jail i don't know Uh, but mike my only question would be to the pastors the same one would be to the people trying to spread the good news in their lives what are you afraid of what what is it that really scares you Uh, is it you know being rejected is it is it spending a night in jail we have a word of power Uh, we have a a, a lord who loves us and has conquered death Uh, we, we can do this we can do this don't be afraid
1: yeah, if you think about it, what do we really have to
0: lose? <laughs> we, we we don't. We don't have anything to lose. We've, um, we've gained it's it's a everything. scary we thing, we've certainly. Been given but everything. Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't have anything that, that we would lose. So But
1: you know, in congregations even too, people uh you know, we're so afraid and uh, coming through this political season. And even with putting on this conference I've had some that have expressed concern, Well, is this going to get real political? People don't want to be told how to vote. You're going to tell us how to vote. You're going to tell us what to do, or we're going to upset somebody that's got a slightly different view. They vote this way or vote that way, or they like people. We so we just kind of shut up and don't say anything. And to a certain degree, yeah, I don't really want somebody barking from the pulpit, any pulpit, uh, how somebody right. should vote. But shouldn't we, as 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 Christians and as Lutherans, make incredibly informed citizens in both kingdoms?
0: Yeah, we should, and and now this is, this is a touchy subject, uh, and it's one that obviously you're expressing. Good, we we like
1: touchy subjects here in the studio. Well,
0: room. you on a you, you are interact- got touchy all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We 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 interact with these folks um, who do express uh, some of that fear. You know, is this going to be? Is this becoming political? Is this you know, blah blah blah? I, I could run down a list of the names of all of the folks. Uh, in the public realm, in the political sphere that I've invited to come to our conference. And in the end, um, there is a reality that's facing us. There are particular platforms that are, a willing, that are willing to associate with the church, and there are particular platforms that are not. So nine times out of ten, um, when the Christian church is bringing these topics to the forefront, if you're going to be bringing along in arms anyone in the public sphere, uh, it's going to be folks from a particular party, uh, usually. Yeah. Um, that's that's just kind of the way it works out. Now, we're not tasked with getting up into the pulpit and saying, vote for A over B. But one thing we are tasked with doing is rendering the, the word of God purely and faithfully. And when you do that, and you're speaking to those issues, which do come up in the scriptural text, sure. you find yourself naturally, not saying vote for A or B, but saying, this is godly and this isn't this is this is something you should not be uh, supporting according to the way of faith and this this one is the folks can figure that stuff out sure um
1: and the um, more, so, we, the more oh, we feed people in the kingdom of the right the more they're probably going to make a lot of the similar decisions on those things because they're being more catechized well catechized well i issues. you know
0: i read an yeah, that's right. But not I, everything I is. A,
1: everybody thinks everything's, you know, Satan has almost tempted us to think, oh, well, that's politics. I mean, we everything is seen with a political lens, but not everything is politics. The right to life is not just a political issue. It's a Christian it's issue. It's a Christological issue. Sure,
0: oh, my goodness. It's absolutely Christological. I, I read a, I, I wrote an article, actually, for Right to Life about a year and a half ago. They had asked me to write something to all the pastors. And so I did. Um, And in that article, I I pulled out another article that I had uh, read, uh, and it was one, it was a survey that was done not that long ago, and they surveyed a whole bunch of Christian pastors, and they asked these guys if they believe that the Bible deals directly with the majority of the issues that are going on today, things like abortion or same-sex marriage and all that. And of all the pastors that were surveyed, 90% of the pastors agreed that the Bible does, Now, those same pastors, they were asked if they actually teach their people what God has -hmm. revealed by his word with regard to those issues. The survey said that only 10% of the 90% agreed. Mm. So only 10% of the pastors that they asked were telling their people, were communicating to their people through the word of God that abortion is ungodly or that same-sex marriage is not something that uh, is in cohesion with the church. Wow. They weren't doing that. Uh, and so, and part of the gist of that article was to simply throw out there Hosea 4, where the Lord says so clearly, it's you, O priest, that I'm contending with here. My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge, because you have rejected knowledge. And so he goes on to say he rejects them from being priests for him. I I a lot of where this problem lies, unfortunately, is in with pastors, with teachers, with those who are catechizing the people, we're, we're mixing this stuff up and we're missing some very important points, uh, and we need to get our heads around it. So, what you're doing is is wonderful. What our what our Bishop Harrison is doing is wonderful. Uh, the Free to Be Faithful initiatives, wonderful. The Lutheran Center for Religious oh, Liberty, going to be starting stuff. up soon. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. We need these things.
1: And frankly, our so young great. people, our young people get this because on a college campus. They're kind of like like okay, hey, you know, pastors, teachers, everybody else, you know, while you guys argue about whether or not we should be talking about these things, we have to deal with this stuff every single moment we walk from one class to the student union uh, right. to read the school newspaper, and they're front and center, and they they want the framework. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, we have a chance to uh, really kind of uh, turn the corner and uh, give a good framework
0: yeah I, And I think what's going on that'll be able to happen. and i you know i'm I'm sounding like somewhat of a downer on the pastors. i I know the job of a pastor is not easy. i obviously, I can say that from experience, sure, but we're already we're already dealing in the the muck and the mire of this world. We're already going face to face with the devil on a pretty regular basis. Some of these issues shouldn't be pushed off to the side as any less pertinent to that battle. Uh, we need to we need to include them and assume them into what's going on in the lives of people namely namely these college students lives mean, they are facing off with with evil in ways that i am sorry but you know 40 and 50 years ago you and i weren't dealing with this stuff um we just weren't and now 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 it, it's got a place of prominence at the table in ways that are just unfathomable we need to be on guard and we need to be on the offensive in these things
1: well, we just have uh, we just have a minute or so left here. Any concluding thoughts that you'd like to say uh, before uh, uh, we send you back to your busy work of getting ready for Advent services and Christmas? Uh, but uh, why, why is this issue so important for us to uh, to be engaged in, especially for our college young people?
0: Well, I, I think that I would simply say we can't ignore it, um, and. You know, I don't know. I, I guess I would simply say that being faithful to Christ um, means being faithful in these areas. Being a faithful pastor, being a faithful teacher means making sure that those who are in the body of Christ, those we are serving for the sake of Christ, have a good knowledge, uh, not only of his word, but of the Lutheran confessions so that they know how to speak, sure. uh, they know how to defend, uh, they know how to move forward uh, with a little less trepidation. Or um, people, people are saying it's never going to happen. Three, four years ago, people were saying, ah, it's, you know, this kind of stuff's never going to happen. They're never going to say same-sex marriage is okay." Well, here it is. Um, they were saying, "You know, it's never. The churches will never lose their their tax-free status." I'm here to tell you that there are <laughs> conversations in D.C. right now, and I've sat in on them uh, where they are saying this is coming in the next four or five years. You yeah. can count on your church. Uh, and but they're not reasons we would expect. Sure. They're they're not because they need money, but because there is an underlying element of folks who are trying to shut the Christian church down. Let's roll.
1: That's all we have time for here in the student union to catch Pastor Toma at Liberty. College is tough. If you need Jesus we will help.